Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I am Kelly Newcomb, founder of Brave Parenting, joined today by Chelsea Hiesel, our resident biblical counselor. Happy New Year, Kelly. Yes, this is our third podcast together for the year. And today we are continuing our series, Investigating AI and the impact that these developing technologies have on kids so that as we parent, we can be equipped with the knowledge and tools to parent well as we navigate it all. I think it's so important, as you have said in the past, we have officially entered the age of AI. I know that I became really weary hearing about AI for quite a while over the summer as it started turning itself out. But now that we have researched and just learned so much, I cannot stress enough how important it is that we stay engaged as this technology has a lot of potential to be great or grave. I love the episode that you and Ryan just released last week. The terminology for AI can seem just like a foreign language, and I thought you guys did a great job defining it for everyone. So if you have not listened to last week's episode, pause us, go back, listen, but be sure to check that one out because it kind of lays out all of the AI lingo in really understandable terms. So today we're talking about chat GPT and education. You may remember our episode on ChatGPT in December of 2022, when it was very first released by OpenAI. You can go back and listen to that episode to learn more about ChatGPT or read our Brave Parenting Guide to ChatGPT on the website. But real quick, I'm going to summarize exactly what ChatGPT is. It is a machine learning algorithm that spent years learning information and analyzing language on the internet in order to understand and generate a natural way to communicate information back to users. So users can provide prompts or ask questions, and the model will generate responses accordingly. So it's like asking Google a question, but instead of the results being hundreds of website links to existing content, ChatGPT responds in a conversational and understandable way, generating a unique answer to your question and generally in an accurate and concise way. Now, just a note, there are many ChatGPT-like apps available in the App Store and in Google Play. Some even specifically market themselves as homework or education help or essay writing or even math calculation chatbots. Most of these use OpenAI's GPT-3 or GPT-4 platform, but without the proper safety measures or moderation. We have to remember that there is a race to produce the next big AI product, and everyone with a moderate bit of programming savvy is sort of lacing up their running shoes and joining this race. For the sake of ease and understanding, we are only going to refer to ChatGPT here in this podcast, but know that there are many, many other alternative AI chat apps and websites that students can use. Major players like Microsoft Copilot, which used to be Bing, and Google Bard are sort of synonymous with ChatGPT in regard to our topic today. Now, almost immediately upon ChatGPT's release, primary and higher education educators reflexively responded by banning the website from their school networks out of fear that children would use the website to cheat. A spokesperson for the New York City Department of Education stated, in January of 2023, so one year ago, she said, quote, while the tool may be able to provide quick and easy answers to questions, it does not build critical thinking and problem-solving skills 
which are essential for academic and lifelong success. And that makes sense. But with an an assignment deadline looming, it's not hard to see how any teenager wouldn't take that quick and easy way of finishing the assignment by way of ChatGPT, especially if it is an essay or a short answer. The concern here back in 2023, and it really still is valid in the sense that students can use it to cheat. Absolutely. Especially when we consider that a recent poll from Common Sense Media says that 58% of teens have used or are using chatbots, and that 53% use ChatGBT instead of Google for searches. A rapidly growing number of them are beginning to rely on these bots for help with their homework assignments too. One problem that this introduces is the problem of plagiarism. By definition, plagiarism is the act of using someone else's work or ideas without giving proper credit to the original author. But the question is now posed, when is it something rather than someone who generates the work? Is that still considered plagiarism? Now, many schools and institutions immediately created strict academic consequences for using AI-generated content as one's own, which it sounds reasonable, but what happens when AI content detectors give a false positive and a student is wrongly accused of cheating even though they haven't? How do these students defend their authentic work? This is a growing problem, and it has been over 2023. One that OpenAI recognized and actually took down their AI detector because it could not consistently distinguish between AI-generated and human-generated content. Now, optimistic educators, however, parallel the concern over ChatGBT with the initial concern around Google and how much information was suddenly at students' fingertips. Or even around calculators, which back in the day convinced many math educators that math education would just die. While many educators have actually dismissed the concerns of calculators and have likewise embraced Google, there still exists legitimate concern for a lack of learning among children who are dependent on technological advances and believe that they don't need to waste their time learning. Or even how some educators and students have come to believe that learning must include the aid of technology. Teachers' willingness to optimistically embrace ChatGPT may also have something to do with the fact that the chatbot does an excellent job in creating lesson plans or creating homework assignments or projects and important teaching points and relevant examples that can be used when teaching a class. This is something OpenAI likes to promote for obvious reasons. They released their Teaching with AI resource along with educator FAQs in August of 2023, aimed at helping educators utilize ChatGPT to not only enhance their preparation work, but as well using it in the classroom as a tool for students to learn from. We'll link these in the show notes. So if you are a teacher or if you know a teacher, you can pass this along to them. I know several teachers who have immensely benefited from the chatbot's help in lesson planning. So now there is a general consensus that teachers have an obligation to recognize ChatGPT's existence openly so as to not vilify it and to really teach how this technology works as well as the pitfalls and potential that it has. Teachers are simply not the source of information as they once were before the internet. Their role is starting to shift from the dispenser of information to a facilitator. So they need to teach students how to find information 
what information to trust, and how to apply it within the learning process. So here we are, a full year into ChatGPT, and schools are now lifting their ban on the website. They're investing in educating their teachers on ChatGPT and embracing it in the classroom as part of learning. Here's an example of how ChatGPT is actually being used in this way. There was an article written in MIT's technology review titled, ChatGPT is going to change education, not destroy it. One teacher says that she routinely gives an assignment for her students to write an argument for something. She changed this up and instead had the students ask ChatGPT to write an argument for something. The student's job is then to critique ChatGPT's generated response. She states that using ChatGPT to generate a first draft helps some students stop worrying about the blank page and instead they focused on the critical phase of the assignment. Other teachers employ methods of having ChatGPT churn out a first draft, and then they have the students add to it or reconstruct the generated essay in their own words and style. And because ChatGPT is just not perfect, many teachers are using this fact as a teaching point of critical thinking and of research instead of accepting every piece of information produced as truth or fact. Yeah, so that's really important. Let's pause and talk about ChatGPT's imperfections here for a moment. You may remember the term hallucinations in regard to AI-generated content from our Understanding AI Lingo podcast. According to ChatGPT, a hallucination or an artificial hallucination refers to the phenomenon of a machine, such as a chatbot, generating seemingly realistic sensory experiences that do not correspond to any real-world input. Hallucinations are not that common in chatbots as they are typically designed to respond on pre-programmed rules and data sets rather than generating new information. However, there have been instances where advanced AI systems such as generative models like ChatGPT have been found to produce hallucinations, particularly when trained on large amounts of unsupervised data. The most commonly known hallucinations are when you ask ChatGPT for a list of articles, books, references, or even hotels. And the response provided looks legitimate, but is in fact partially or completely made up. The books it points you to just don't exist, nor do the scientific studies maybe it references or the hotels that it lists. But, and this is a key problem, ChatGPT provides these false references with great confidence. So without a discerning mind, it can be easy to see how harmful this would be for students within the learning process. Not to mention, it makes it obvious for teachers to know if the student is copying and pasting. When asked about the problem of artificial hallucinations, Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, said this, quote, I think we will get the hallucination problem to a much, much better place. I think it will take us a year and a half, two years, something like that. But at that point, we won't still talk about these. There's a balance between creativity and perfect accuracy, and the model will need to learn when you want one or the other, end quote. Because chatbots like ChatGPT feel human-like, so many people allow themselves to assign human-like attributes such as this one, hallucinations. But it really is essential to recognize the absolute non-humanness of a computer learning system such as ChatGPT, despite how it feels. Thankfully, OpenAI clarifies the term hallucination as it applies to ChatGPT when they say, quote, while ChatGPT can generate outputs that seem insightful, 
poetic, or even bizarre, these are simply patterns it has learned, devoid of true understanding or intent. They are not hallucinations in the human sense, but rather quirks of a complex pattern-detecting system. And I think that's a really important quote and something that we can keep in mind as we talk to our children about ChatGPT and its non-humanness. We talked about how this is going to be a common question of what does it really mean to be human? And the idea of hallucinations is a sort of human aspect or attribute. And so I think that it's important to recognize that the machine learning system is devoid of true understanding or intent. Well, OpenAI cites the reason for their occurrence as model complexity in that GPT is a large model with billions of parameters that can lead to unexpected outputs. Also, they state that ambiguous queries lead to a wide variety of results. Additionally, hallucinations can occur because GPT lacks grounding and true understanding. Again, it is non-human and does not have real-world experiences, emotions, or consciousness. Another acknowledged area of concern in the bi- are the biases ingrained into ChatGPT. They openly confess the chatbot has both biases and stereotypes. They admit that it's trained primarily with a Western view and it's trained on the English language. Now, in their Teaching with AI resource guide, they encourage teachers to discuss how students can be critical thinkers while engaging with ChatGPT in light of these known biases. As you can see, all of this provides excellent teaching materials for students, whether it be in the classroom or even at home. There are essential facts that young students must understand about how this technology works. They have to understand its possibilities, but also, importantly, its perils. And I think most parents who have their children in public schools can expect their school districts to begin a full embrace of this technology because, as it's been said, you cannot put this genie back in the bottle. It's here. We have to learn about it. We also have to adapt to it. So what does this really look like for parents then, especially for the parents who are bravely practicing the weight and limit method? Yeah, we at Brave Parenting agree that acting as if ChatGPT doesn't exist and banning it from use will likely backfire. Even without easy, unrestricted internet access, teens will hear about ChatGPT or other chatbots from the school and friends. Therefore, teaching how to use it as a tool, right, instead of a crutch or just out of laziness, is super important for parents. So here are a handful of ways that we believe ChatGPT can be used as a positive and helpful resource at home. Number one, generating topic ideas. This can honestly be anything from what are good topics for a comparison essay, if that's your child's assignment, or what are easy recipes for teens to learn how to cook? The generated ideas aren't something that will be effectively plagiarized, and the specific response is more efficient than sorting through 100 plus websites offered by a Google inquiry with the same question. The output of this question can just be a springboard for creative thought, which is a good thing. Absolutely. You could also use it to generate an outline. It can be really hard to get started writing an essay. And if your child knows their topic, asking for a suggested outline of material can actually provide a great starting point for them. Adding and then subtracting to the outline based on the child's knowledge, their other resources, and the requirements of the topic that they're writing about 
will be a great way to help them think critically. But yes, you as the parent will have to walk them through this type of exercise, reinforcing that ChatGPT's output is only a springboard, not a smart board for copying and pasting. Mm, That's true. A third way is a thesaurus. Expanding your child's vocabulary is an excellent goal, especially with intelligent words versus slang, really. A thesaurus is, of course, the best resource for creating more depth in writing. What I love about ChatGPT as a thesaurus is that you don't have to look up one specific word, but you can provide ChatGPT with like an idea or a concept that you can't seem to find the right word for, and it produces spectacular results. So for example, Jesse, in a piece I was writing, I asked ChatGPT what was another way of saying subtle humor, and it provided me with the following suggestions. It said, wry wit, dry humor, understated comedy, nuanced amusement, gentle satire, tongue-in-cheek humor, sly laughter, mild irony, subdued wit, and low-key humor. And I thought those were great suggestions that a normal thesaurus wouldn't normally give you. Well, I ended up going with subdued wit, and it worked beautifully in what I was writing. And I think there's number four, um, clarifying concepts in easy-to-understand terms. So whether the subject is chemistry or history, sometimes a a textbook and lecture notes are just not enough to understand a concept. There are a lot of educational resources on the web that can help us with this, like Khan Academy. I've utilized them multiple times, but ChatGPT could also be used. If you need to understand maybe like the role of women during World War II, it could provide you a great overall summary. Or if you need more clarity on mole calculations in chemistry, ChatGPT can summarize the concept for you. Yeah, another personal example is in my last master's class, I was analyzing the theology and philosophy of the 20th century philosophers and theologians and desperately needed clarity on the academic language used. It was way above my head. So I asked ChatGPT to define words like phenomenology, axiological arguments, methodological naturalism, and incommensurability. Did you know those words, Chelsea? No, no, I didn't know what a mole was either. So yeah, you got me. (laughs) (laughs) Among all these terms, they were just not in my vocabulary. But the key was, I asked ChatGPT and I cross-reference what they gave me as the outputted answer with what I was reading. Did it make sense in the context of what the philosopher or the author was saying? Knowing that ChatGPT can make mistakes, I use it right as a tool and not my sole authority, but it was a quick way to get a better understanding of what that word was in the context of what I was reading. Now, with all of those positives stated, it is essential that parents establish boundaries and limitations around ChatGPT and chatbots in general, but we're going to get into some more of that nuanced area of chatbots in an upcoming podcast. So hold on, we'll be back with you in just the next week or two. So one boundary is definitely to be co-viewing all ChatGPT usage with your teens. As we say teens because ChatGPT themselves repeats that their chatbot is not safe or intended for the use of anyone under the age of 13. A big part of that reason for the age of 13 is the COPA law that doesn't allow the collection of data from users under the age of 13. But there are other valid reasons as well. This really needs to be non-negotiable. Actually, let me rephrase that. This must be non-negotiable. 
There are other AI chatbots that are designed with kids younger than 13 in mind to serve as like an adjunct to education. But when we when we refer specifically to ChatGPT and other major players like Copilot or Bard, we must emphasize that this isn't a tool for a child. Critical thinking is essential, and that really begins to develop after the age of 13. Nonetheless, you should still co-view your teen's engagement with ChatGPT until you are confident that they can use it as a tool and not as a crutch or as a cheat. Co-viewing allows you to take part in instructing them what is and what is not plagiarism or cheating. The established rule must also be that there is zero copying and pasting allowed. If you have to, you're going to have to establish some kind of consequence for what's going to happen if they're caught using ChatGPT to write their essays or their assignments for them. But this is still going to be the policy in school. So this isn't really a radical move on your part. You're just dealing in reality is like what I like to say. Absolutely. Also, I think it's important to ensure that your child knows how to cross-reference answers provided by ChatGPT with textbooks and the course notes and other sources directly from the teacher. If there's any question on whether or not a fact provided is actually right, it needs to be followed up on. Children also need to learn that although it looks similar to other writings, such as in a book or an article, the text has been pieced together by computer code. This means every word, sentence, and claim should be treated with skepticism. And finally, ensure that ChatGPT is really only used for facts-based research. Asking ChatGPT to provide an opinion on a moral or ethical concept is really inappropriate as it is not human and does not have a conscious or real-life experience. And at the same time, I think everyone must openly acknowledge, as OpenAI does themselves, that ChatGPT makes mistakes and it really doesn't know everything. Now, when it comes to guiding your child's use of generative AI like ChatGPT, there is also a biblical application that allows your child to reconcile their faith with a rapidly advancing technological world. So first, the most obvious thing is cheating. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, using ChatGPD to copy and paste answers and essays, especially when there is an academic policy that does not allow it, is sowing seeds of sin. There's really no other way to look at this. This shortcut is going to reap a harvest of discipline from the school, or it's going to reap a harvest of regret, a lack of understanding and learning, poorly developed writing skills, and so on and so on. It's really just not good for us at all. Such an important concept. I think another one is also considering what it means to be human. ChatGPT aims to balance creativity and perfection, right? They say that in the sense of perfect accuracy is their perfection. According to its CEO, I quoted that earlier. Well, considering that God alone has balanced creativity and perfection as described in Genesis 1, we have to think about, will AI actually be able to achieve this? If so, what does that mean? Also, I think it's important to ask open-ended questions to get your child or teen thinking, such as, will a computer ever be able to feel? Or why do you think God created humanity? with such depth of feelings and emotions. And you can really refer to the Psalms. How did feelings and emotions influence the psalmist's writing? 
Or what about singing and worship? You know, AI may be able to replicate voices and write songs, but what makes singing and music and worship distinctly human? These are all just really important questions that when given the opportunity can get your kids thinking through their biblical worldview of some of these questions. Third, what are the benefits of faithful hard work? Throughout scripture, there are significant and beneficial purposes for work. God looked at the fruit of his labor and he called it very good. Now, in the same way, our work should be done to produce the highest quality outcome or product, whether that's an English essay or if you're assembling burgers at your local fast food joint, every bit of work should aim for excellence. And for Christians, the highest quality of what we produce begins with our internal character, then it moves outwards towards external obedience to God and the authorities placed in our lives, and then we source tools to help us. So our goal is not perfection like ChatGBT. Our goal is holiness before God and excellent character. And education is a profound privilege that as Americans, we take for granted. I know our listeners have probably told this to their teens and gotten multiple eye rolls. I know I've gotten them from my kids. But especially children today, after COVID and amid so much technology that does the work for them, therefore, it is truly essential that parents instill integrity and an ethic of excellence from a very young age. And perhaps even more to the point is what Paul says in Ephesians 4.28. He says, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. The Bible is passionate in its condemnation of laziness and not working. So spend some time maybe reading through the Proverbs this week and see the wisdom of working well in 1 Timothy chapter 5 or in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 to understand how God has instructed the early church through Paul to cherish hard work. I think that those are great applications. We're talking about not cheating, considering what it means to be human, to be created by a perfect creator, and also to just really think about what is the benefit of faithful hard work. It's something that we as adults can also remember. So all right, parents, we have given you a lot of information. Let's recap with what I'm going to say your homework for the week is. Because just listening to this podcast, I don't think is enough. You need to sort of get your hands dirty a bit in this. So this week, what I want you to do is get on chat GPT and play around. Ask it different types of questions and note how it answers. Think of the ways that we suggested it could be used as a tool and see it through this lens. Also, you can even ask questions that could potentially provide a answer that's a hallucination that has inaccuracies. Test the waters so that you know what you're working with. And also, Make sure you're talking with your spouse about this because really the two of you need to be united um, when it comes to any technology that you're going to allow in the home. It may be that one spouse thinks that AI chatbots are the, the best thing ever and the other spouse may be like, absolutely not. I don't want anything to do with it. So you're gonna need to come to a common ground. Your next piece of homework is to look up what your child's school policy is for ChatGPT. If you don't see it online anywhere, email the principal or a school district representative. You can even email your child's English or history teacher and ask them about their approach to ChatGPT. Have they started incorporating it in the classroom? Is it still banned? How are they investigating short answers and essays that are are turned in to see if it was AI generated? Find out what that is. 
so that you can know that as you help your child use ChatGPT as a tool. And finally, talk about ChatGPT with your teenagers. Have they heard about it? Do they have friends who use it? Have they used it themselves? You can ask them if, do you think it's cheating? Or do they, you know, what is their ethical instinct about using it? I think you can also incorporate scripture and make sure that they know what God's word says about faithfulness, not cheating, about hard work, all of those things. Again, we don't want to act like it doesn't exist because that could backfire. And we don't want to vilify it as saying it's the worst thing ever because kids are just going to, we know them, right? Teenagers will just go and use it anyway. And I have to reiterate that this technology, it really just can't be ignored by parents. Maybe you're a parent right now who has littles and your biggest concern is checking out library books. And that's a wonderful season of life. But this isn't going away. Like we said earlier, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. And one day you're going to have to confront this. It's not going to go away. We have to engage with it in the most positive and ethical ways possible. And that needs to come through us as Christian parents, not through their peers who may not know Christ. Oh, amen. Yeah, that's good. All right. So if you have more questions about ChatGPT that maybe we didn't answer, please feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at braveparenting.net. And we will make sure that we can get your question answered um, and any specifics that you need that maybe we did not address. And don't forget, friends, to share this podcast with your parenting friends, with other parents in your kid's school. I guarantee you that there are parents all around you who are kind of concerned, maybe even fearful, or just confused about all of this talk of AI and ChatGPT, Copilot, all of them. It just seems to be everywhere you look now. And parents need this information. We really need to aim for ethical use of AI tools such as this. So thank you so much for listening, friends. We will be back next week with more talk on AI. So until then, go and be brave.